0: No injustice to anyone was ever the intent or purpose of American marriage laws where same-sex couples are concerned. In stark contrast to the purposeful Jim Crow attack on men and women of different races, when states began in the 1990s and 2000s to legislate the man-woman definition of marriage, it was to protect the conjugal meaning from redefinition by culture warriors and judicial activists, not to interfere with marriages everyone recognized as actual ones, but wished to prevent for the sake of a racist ideology." and this time the law's salute to children's centrality to marriage was embodied merely in the elementary recognition that the institution should be restricted to those who can be mother and father to a family built on their union. Consider next the circumstances of the legal challenge to the Jim Crow anti-miscegenation laws. From a peak of 30 states with such laws in the 1920s and 30s, the number declined to just 16 states by the time of the Loving case, only one of those states, California, doing away with its law by a judicial decree. After Brown v. Board of Education, the struggles of the civil rights movement and the passage of the federal civil rights and voting rights acts The Loving case can be viewed as a mopping-up operation to fulfill the long-frustrated promise of the Reconstruction Amendments and Lincoln's new birth of freedom. Make no mistake, the remaining anti-miscegenation laws still had a lot of social inertia backing them in 1960s white America, where sentiment against interracial marriage ran high. But the legal prohibitions were already an embarrassment even to their residual supporters. As Peggy Pascoe notes in her 2009 history, What Comes Naturally, only one state, North Carolina, submitted an amicus brief in support of Virginia's defense of its law in the Supreme Court. When the loving case was argued, Chief Justice Earl Warren had no trouble forging a unanimous front on the part of the justices, This was an easy case, made still easier by the court's 1964 reversal of an 1883 precedent in which it had permitted states to punish interracial adultery and fornication more severely than the same offenses when committed by persons of the same race. Speaking for eight of the nine justices, Justice Potter Stewart wrote a narrowly grounded one-paragraph concurrence in the judgment, Warren got the job done in just 11 pages— declaring that there was no legitimate overriding purpose to a law that interfered with ordinary marital relations simply to maintain white supremacy. His last and most decisive word was this. The 14th Amendment requires that the freedom of choice to marry not be restricted by invidious racial discriminations. Under our Constitution, the freedom to marry or not marry a person of another race resides with the individual and cannot be infringed by the state. The governing presumption here that couples should be free to marry who can marry, because they are legally and naturally able to do so in every other way but the irrelevant one of their race, could not be plainer. Suffice it to say that if the justices invent a constitutional right of same sex marriage, They will have to work a good deal harder to justify it than this. 30-plus states whose protections of conjugal marriage are threatened by such a ruling are waiting to discover whether laws of recent vintage, passed as measures of defense against culture war aggression, not outmoded old laws of racial aggression, will survive the modern Supreme Court's creativity. Many states have weighed in with amicus briefs arguing for the preservation of their people's right of self-government. So have scores of prominent religious leaders, academics, legal scholars, and other opinion leaders, the sort of people conspicuously missing from the defense of Jim Crow marriage laws a half-century ago. All told, there are about a 100 amicus briefs in the same-sex marriage case, with almost equal numbers on the two sides. There will be no 11 pages for a unanimous court this time. We can expect ten or twenty times that many pages in multiple opinions from a deeply divided bench. It is true that this great spilling of ink will happen no matter which party is victorious. But only in an age riven by ideology, dishonesty, and a struggle to rearrange the moral furniture in people's heads could it require more than Warren's few pages to turn aside the transparently politicized absurdity of a claim to a constitutional right of same-sex marriage. The Minnesota Supreme Court in 1971 took just five pages to dispose of the first such claim in a court of law only four years after Loving.